Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Littman. I am joined, as always, by Emily Cannell, Dan Pone, and for the first time ever, Rainy, my uh, new dog. Very exciting. Where's uh, the name Gabrielle. from? Can you tell me? So the, the name, she's named after uh, Rainy Park here in Astoria. Uh, we thought it was a good name. That's very cute. For uh, a young girl dog. We adopted her from Muddy Paws Rescue here uh in new york which we very much recommend she uh this was we had planned to adopt a dog in march and we got approved and we were like yeah who cares and uh she's a puppy and she's fully housebroken and it's uh except for her shitting and pissing in the apartment we think that's true <laughs> so uh she had a much much better day uh, with that today so we think it was just first day jitters yesterday so she's really great and we love her and so emily first question for you any advice for uh first time uh adult independent non-family dog owners uh like gab and i here my advice which i did not follow myself and i regret it sometimes is to be stern with the crate training I, the first, when we first got Luna, she, we put her in her crate to sleep and she screamed at the top of her lungs and it broke my heart too much. And mm. so I let her out and let her get in the bed. And that was the end of that. And that is where Luna sleeps now. Um, <laughs> Luna takes up probably 40% of our bed and is a large dog who is not easily moved. So lots of times Luna gets 40%. Jordy gets like 30% and I get 30% and I have, sometimes I have to like curl up in a ball in the corner because she really likes to stretch out and just like really enjoy her sleep. Um, <laughs> so I wish I had better like either that or like trained her to like sleep in a bed on the floor, like not in my bed space, but I didn't and it's been five years now and it's never going to change. So yeah. th that would be my advice to you. It's nice if you have a dog that like will get in the bed for a little like when you invite them and then like for some like Saturday morning snuggles but also knows that like that's not where they sleep all the time that's like the real sweet spot and I am nowhere near it so so Rainy currently is six feet away from me in her crate sleeping right now I would for the An YouTube and for, and for you guys I would turn the camera but I don't want to wake her up and interrupt her sleep at all so yeah she came to us crate trained and that's been a big help see it's and, very uh, it's weird because luna is also crate trained like when we leave the house she goes in her crate when she is annoyed with really? us she just goes in there like she loves her crate she sits in there when we eat dinner because she's a beggar like she doesn't care loves to be in her crate but when we first got her nighttime crate did not happen and i was too much of a pushover and I think she would honestly sleep in her crate now because she's so much like she's so used to it. But I don't know. Sometimes I like when she sleeps in bed. It's like a weighted blanket. Oh, of course. She like yeah, lays her head on your legs and I'm like, oh, look at her. She's so cute. Dan, first question for you. Uh, you watched professional football game tonight. Um, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, both very talented. 
where would you rank Kenny Pickett among them uh, in, let's say, two seasons? Where do you give him a little time to develop? But yeah, what kind of trajectory do we have young Kenneth on? You know, I love me some Kenny Pickett. Uh, By the way, there's that picture of you guys. He could play your older brother in something. Listen, uh, this might be a hot take among some people, but I would say I would probably rank him third among the three. (laughs) Now, I know some people are going to be saying, wait, did you see the game tonight? Both of the quarterbacks were so bad. Um, (laughs) I would say they'll probably both be better than him. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to get some hate mail from from your friend Kenny after that uh after there goes our that. chance of having him on the podcast Dan I know he's gonna be so mad because um, before it was really high <laughs> I mean he's a Philly guy we never know oh, he's, not. he's from Jersey but well, he's an Mike Trout is a Philly guy no he's, he's not he's also yeah. from Jersey well we yeah. count him amongst ourselves yeah sure we count him <laughs> The Sixers. So they had sort of an up and down week. Uh, we'll get to our standings later because Emily, without you last week, we were completely lost in terms of standings. It's like impossible. <laughs> impossible. There's no way to hear what we did before. <laughs> but uh, the Sixers had a two and two week. They drew. We had to celebrity shot. Came in here and predicted uh, the week. And he nailed the Washington loss. The Sixers lost to Washington on a sleepy afternoon game. The Sixers barely knew that the game was happening, but they played in it and they lost it. Um, Everybody but Joel was bad. Then they played against Orlando. They won. Joel tied his career high with 50 points. Then they lost to the Clippers in an absolutely dog shit game that Emily was at, which will definitely get a boost on the ground uh, (laughs) correspondence from you for. Uh, and then tonight they beat the Spurs um, and another wonderful Joel game as he's like legitimately knocking on the door um, of the MVP race. So uh, we can go sort of overall. They had a two and two week, um, not very good competition here. Um, up and down week, Joel continues to be the real story of the week. Um, uh, he's pretty firmly in the top three of the MVP hunt right now. He had, uh, so it was, he had 50 against Orlando. He had 40 against the Clippers. And then he had um, 38 against the Spurs. So he's falling off. Uh, He's really, he's he's going down. (laughs) He's declining. He's he's declining. It seems like he's past his prime now, you know, he, he, yeah, exactly. He looks so good. In the sports book, he's currently in fourth for MVP at plus 600. I'm pretty sure, like, it's kind of crazy how fast. I'm pretty sure I tweeted, like, two weeks ago that he was, like, plus 4,000 and that everyone should hop on the bet at plus 4,000. And now he's plus 600. So you should have jumped on the bet when he's plus 4,000. So NBA.com does their, like, ladder or whatever. They had him third yesterday. Um his scoring average is up at like 28 and a half or something. Um, and he's just doing so much out there. Like he's orchestrating the offense constantly. He's, he's running the break. Like he has been um, obviously defensively, he has to do a ton and nobody like the second best player on the team is ostensibly Tobias. Who's not playing well, really. Well, like probably not the second best player on the team, but Maxi, I guess like, you know, there's a lot of players who are probably better than Tobias on the team. 
Matt sure. Reed, Danny Green, Seth Curry. But I'm saying it's not the fact uh, that sort of illustrates the point, though, right? Right. Like, oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like the team is Joel. You know, like the team is Joel, and then like we we really like you know Tyrese and Seth has had a really good year, and um, they have they're deep, but they're not they're certainly not ripe with top line talent, and, and the fact that Joel has them and will keep them, I think, in that four or five you know, area throughout the, you know, I think until the trade deadline, and then we'll see, and we'll talk a lot about trades later, but um, overall reactions to this week, um, Emily, we can start with you, and I'm sure you'll have stuff to say about the Clippers game, but then just sort of in general uh, takeaways from this week. And welcome um, back, by the way. How was your trip? You. It was lovely. It was very warm in Jamaica. Um, I didn't get to watch any basketball, however. Well, then who cares? Yeah, I did watch football. They did have football on, but I did not have That's basketball. Nice. They didn't have NBC Sports Philly in Jamaica. I thought it was very rude. But yeah, it was an up wow. and down week. It was fine. I thought Tobias played well this week, actually, in general. Relative to his more recent weeks, probably. Yeah, it was like an up week for him. <laughs> I really want to get those cookies that he's shelling on Instagram, though. They do look good. I, they look has real anybody good. Had them? If not... Um, Callie Curry has also talked about them on podcasts that I've listened to with her about how good they are, like that her and Seth, before they opened one nearby, like her and Seth would get them shipped to them in Philadelphia. So I am very interested in these cookies. Um, but the fact that if, if, lis- if listeners have had them tell us how, how they are and, and, and if they're actually good, because I'm interested. Because we could do like Tobias cookie taste test on the podcast and everyone can listen to us eat cookies. It'd be really great. Um, but yeah, up and down week. The fact that I wanted to talk about cookies quickly versus talking <laughs> about these games probably goes to show how they were. Uh, the Clippers game was terrible. I blame Jordy for them losing. Oh, because doesn't he have some losing streak going on? No, not this time. This time he had a bet open that was like Joel Embiid points, rebounds, assists total over 50. And he was like, he claims that he wasn't doing it, but I know he was like semi-rooting for the Clippers to keep it close so that they couldn't pull Joel before he hit the 50. And so I blame him for it. But he says Did that he hit the 50. Oh, he hit the 50, sure. But oh, the yeah, si- yeah, yeah. but the Sixers had to win the game. For the bet to hit and look what happened they did not do you remember that kid with the corgi where is he he fell off the floor where's that corgi and the kid with the girlfriend and the kid with the girlfriend that's right yeah you say this neutrally now you say it like it's whatever but i can tell you that after game five of the hawk series you were not so neutral on the (laughs) corgi and this girlfriend (laughs) it was wonderful it was a great quote it was great I, had, um, I was told they were frauds. That's all I, I had no beverages at that game. Zero none, beverages at. I can confirm you were dead sober. Dead sober. Oh, that, that was great. Um, Dan, uh, any takeaways from from this week, sort of broadly? Um, we'll talk about a couple of key things. But Joel's fifty. Uh, you know the the the, uh, <laughs> the uh, letting up twenty four point lead to the uh, to the Clippers without any good players. What do you think? My takeaway from this week is that Joel is the MVP. Everyone else, I don't care. Like, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I'm waiting till the deadline. Um, deadline. Game I, time. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping Wait. something happens. I'm hoping Daryl makes moves where we can compete. 
Um, and I hope that, that Joel gets some help. But right now, Joel is, you know, looking like the best player in basketball for the second straight season when he's healthy. And um, that's my rooting interest right now. Like, I know this team, as built, isn't good enough. And I'm not going to sweat a Wizards loss on a 2 o'clock game. And I'm not going to sweat a Clippers loss where they blew a 25-point lead. I'm just not. Like, I I get it sucks. Like, you don't want to lose to the to the Wizards. And you don't want to blow huge leads. But, like, you don't have good players. Right now. You, have, you don't have good players around your best player. But your best player is awesome. And, like, I'm here to root for Joel. I want the team to win, obviously. But, like... Joel is playing unbelievable basketball. I'm going to let myself enjoy it. I'm not going to sweat over, like, whether Tobias and, you know, Tyrese Maxey can hold off the Clippers when Joel's off the court. I just don't care. I, I don't. like. This is growth from Dan. It's no, real it's, growth, right? But before they could compete, and now they can't. And, like, I understand that. And, like, Tobias just isn't good enough to carry the team when Joel's off the court. Maxi will probably never be good enough, but even if we're going to give him a chance, he's way too young to do it. And like, that's fine. I don't care. I, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting the deadline. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not counting the season out. I'm not ready to give up on the team this year. But as built, yeah, I just want to see Joel play great, put up his numbers, and get in the MVP race. Like, I don't care about the rest. The rest is what it is. And like, it was a great week because Joel was phenomenal and so much fun to watch. So I, this is interesting because I, I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but I sort of get what you're saying because being this close, but sort of, uh, you know, we're like, what, three, two and a half weeks from the deadline. And like, I want them to win every game, of course. Like, it's the Sixers. We love the Sixers. We hate the Sixers. Um, it's Joel. Joel winning MVP would be tremendous. Um, we want to get to the deadline. We want to make the Ben trade. And we want to like, exhale this thing that we've been talking about interminably for as long as I can remember and just have our guys and just like stop like dealing with this bullshit you know but at this point like for me Emily it's different for you because you were in the arena and if I was at the game and like went through the whole thing to be there and root for them and then they fucking blow it I would be annoyed and like I would be I wasted my night. I, couldn't, like, I didn't even watch the last play. Good. And turned around. I couldn't watch it. And then I just good. like heard the crestfallenness. And I was like, they fucked it up. Right. I don't um, know what happened even still. I don't know. So that's, that's a different thing. But getting like personally, as long as Joel plays well and stays healthy, I find myself not getting too upset with individual losses. As long as he plays well, and stays healthy and I do want the team to be good like I do want them to not be in the fucking play in and I do want them to like because I do think it matters and Daryl talked about what matters in terms of how he's thinking about making a trade so I I think it matters if they don't suck you know because Daryl and we'll talk about all Daryl's quotes but um I agree I agree I identify with that feeling that Dan is saying that just like get me to the deadline and continue these Joel performances. Um, and in terms of like up and down weeks, like it's sort of whatever, because bigger fish to fry. Emily, do you, do you, or do you understand that? And like, are you at that point at all? Or are you more like game to game with it? 
No, I'm, I understand it. I'm not really game to game. Like, cause I'm normally like, it's the kind of the same thing where like, I don't, or maybe it's the complete opposite thing of if they win a game, I don't really feel like I want to like pick apart individual performances. Cause I'm like, what do I care? They won the game. And it's like the same thing, but just with a different perspective, like, what do I care about winning Joel's healthy? Like, what do I care if they won this game? Joel is playing consistent not even like healthy, but like, it seems to be an incredible shape, like playing long stretches, like lots of minutes in back-to-backs. Like this is an in-shape Joel. Like I don't think that we've seen before and it's very impressive. And then everyone can shut their mouths about like, well, my MVP plays back-to-back games, like shove it. He and looks so good physically, physically. Yeah. He looks, he so looks incredible. So yeah, I will yeah. not take, if Joel's healthy and happy and playing well, like I don't care about anything else really either. Okay, so after the um, after the Clippers game, uh, Austin Krell uh, asked uh, Doc, uh, "What about the loss could be attributed to coaching?" And he said, uh, "Just, just Doc, ready to go." Goes. Would you ask Pop that question? No, you wouldn't. So don't ask me that question. I've earned that. Now, we don't have to talk a lot about this. This is like another in the line of Doc Rivers being like, don't fucking ask me about my job or what I do for my job. Um, I want to say, I don't love that. That question itself doesn't really register for me. Like, I, I don't know how he's supposed to answer that question in specific. I think there's another way to ask that question that is a little bit like, you know, I think there's probably a better way to ask what he's trying to ask, even if I understand what he's asking, which is like, you blew this lead to this team with no good players. Like, how much of that would you attribute to things you wish you had done better? The thing about Doc, though, is that they bring you in to be the accountability guy and you refuse to do it always. He never, ever puts his hand up and says, I should have done X better. I should have done this better. Like, and it's fine. Like, I, I don't think that there's all that much that NBA coaches really need to be doing. And I think generally he's a pretty good coach and he's probably in the middle of the pack and it's fine. And like, you know, I'm not worried about Doc. I, I, I think that he talks down to reporters more than I wish he would. And I think that it's pop does it and, and lots of people do it to the media. And I, and in general, I, I think it's kind of shitty and, and like, you know, I don't, I don't enjoy that, um, as a custom. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I wish doc would do this less. And I, and I wish that for somebody who preaches accountability so much, he would display an ounce of it occasionally and just be like, I screw that up. I, I, you know, I wish I could have done this I wish you would have done that and then on the other end of the spectrum Derek Bonner tweeted this that Joel does the opposite that Joel has 40 and he says yeah but I had five turnovers I should have done this I should have done that so not a big deal I'm not worried about Doc in the greater sense but any thoughts on this quote Dan uh I do um I'll preface it with saying you know I have long said I think Doc gets overblamed uh, like, I, I don't think that, like, the Hawk series is, you know, an example of something that is mostly on Doc. 
Like game one, I get it. Eventually, like you're clearly the better team. I mean, look at the Hawks this year, right? Like the players have to play and they didn't. And even a lot of times this year, I mean, regular season last year, regular season this year, you can look at the numbers. I mean, these are not, this is not even subjective. This is like a, you know, you look at the Sixers after timeout numbers and, you know, when Doc draws up a play and the Sixers, you know, run it straight after the timeout, they have the best numbers in the league this year. And this is not like, and I think that's excluding garbage time. This is not an opinion. You know, Doc is not an idiot. Doc is, you know, he's, I agree. He's like the middle of the pack basketball coach. There's, he drives me crazy in his own ways, right? Like I've said it last year before, and I think I was harder on Doc. And this is maybe, you know, a thing about me that is kind of ridiculous, but like everyone else gets hard on Doc. And I'm like, okay, well, I think you guys went too far. And now I think I need to defend him back in the other direction a little bit. And before that, I was like, well, I think that Doc is doing these things bad. And it's like, I, just because in general, I think he's fine. Like, he's, he's average. You know what I mean? He's okay. Like, he's fine. Um, all of that to preface that, like, I'm not sure I've ever seen someone in a leadership position be this bad with the media in sports. Like, it, it's uncanny how he will always say the wrong thing to the media. Um, in, in a position of leadership where he should be the person who's saying the right thing, who keeps a level head, who, I mean, like, I understand sometimes you might not like the phrasing of the question you're asked, but it's your job to be the leader who does not add a distraction, who, you know, is going to answer the question as best he can and not get in fights with, you know, reporters or, you know, people who are at your press availability when you're at home games or on zoom or whatever like it's not your job to get in fights with people and judge the questions they ask and yeah you blew a 25 24 point lead whatever it was like it's a fair question to ask what you could have done better because every single person who played a minute during that blown lead or coached a minute during that blown lead could have done something better obviously right you don't blow a lead with you know without everyone kind of messing up a little bit even joel who had 40 i'm sure has regrets and, you know, I agree that it is a lack of accountability. And I think in general, the Sixers lack of accountability issues, you know, I think it is over, it is overplayed how much Doc has to do with that, because I think that that was the big talk before Doc took the job. So that was already there. Um, I think that Ben is the epitome of that. And to blame that on Doc when he only coached Ben a year and he talked to Ben for a full year, I think is unfair especially when he's not the, he's not the one who, you know, uh, who helped shape these guys, the guys who were once young under Brett into the players they are now. I'm not saying I blame Brett either. I think that, you know, you need to take your own personal accountability. Um, but Doc should do the same for himself. I, I, I think that Doc has gotten a lot of fair questions that he has dodged by like pretending to be offended by this year. And I really don't like that. I think that it's ridiculous. Um, again, I think he's a middle of the pack coach. I don't think he's the reason they haven't gone further than they have. I don't think he's the reason that they're better than they should be. You know, I think that you can attribute that to all of the play of certain players. Um, but I, I don't enjoy the, um, like almost like the, the feigning, uh, being upset when there's a question that might invoke that you have some responsibility to this team. 
which like you're the head coach, you have a ton of responsibility to this team. Um, I, and like, I, like, I, like I even said when I was defending doc in some ways, because I don't think he's the worst coach ever. Um, if they fired him tomorrow, I'd be crying over it. Like, I think there's plenty better coaches out there. There's also worse coaches out there. He's, he's whatever, but I, I don't, I've never liked how he's addressed the media. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think how he talks to the media is fair. And he is condescending a lot of the time. And uh, no, I think that that's something that, you know, whether maybe it's time someone says something to him. Like, I understand he gets a lot of benefit out in the organization as he should. I mean, he's like the only person in that organization who's won a ring. And like, I get that that carries some kind of benefit of the doubt and that he was an NBA player and he's been an NBA coach forever. And he was a pretty successful, you know, when he had, uh, when he had, you know, um, with the Clippers, he was basically their GM you know, on top of being their coach and did a pretty damn good, good job at that. Um, you know, he's had a lot of success in the league and I get that he gets a lot of benefit of the doubt, but at a certain point you say, you know, the way you're talking to members of the press or, or, or who, whomever is just not acceptable. And, you know, even beyond accountability, I just don't think that you should talk down to people in that way. Emily? Um, yeah, I agree with a lot of what Dan said. And also being at that game, I left it very much feeling like that loss. A lot of it was on Doc's shoulders because I think he, it's not like the lead, like the, the Clippers cut into the lead with the starters on the floor. Like I felt like he let the bench roll and the role players in way too long and they cut it too close and they let them get too much momentum. And then it was a thing. Like I left that game feeling like that loss was based on like rotations and substitutions. And that's how it felt leaving the game in terms of like, you wouldn't ask that question to pop. Like, I think that's kind of a rude thing to say. I do think people would ask that question of pop. I don't really, I mean, pop would probably give, an equally short answer as he's like known to do, but I think they would ask him that. And pop also has been with the same organization for almost 30 years and has five rings. And doc has been here two years and has a second round exit to the Atlanta Hawks. So I don't know that he's maybe over his coaching career and, you know, his playing career, he's earned a lot, but he hasn't really done anything here to not have us question what he's doing with the team. I think maybe you know, win some playoff series and that would be great. And then we won't ask those questions. Agree. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here and then we're going to be back to talk about the week of Ben stuff. Okay. We're back. We had such a weird day of Ben stuff. First of all, thank you again to Sam. Of course, Emily has a weird thing about Sam, but uh, Sam, I hate Sam. Uh, He's so nice to us too. He's such so a good guy. I wouldn't know. I've never met him. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam's such a good guy. Uh, and thank you again, Sam, for uh, making time to come on. So Sam, last week, reported um, that the Kings are seriously contemplating the trade for both Ben and Tobias and that the Kings are expected to make a big move with the bet before the deadline, and that if the Kings can't get Ben, they're expected to pivot to DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, Keith Pompey, another friend of ours, reported that the 
was sort of a strange report that the Kings thought about proposing a trade to the Sixers of like basically Barnes and Heald and Halliburton for Matisse and Ben and Tobias. And the Sixers did not want to do that. And, and, but it was unclear if a trade had offer had been made. And then later in the day, Shams reported that the Kings has made, has a current mindset. They are not moving the Aaron Fox and want to center the team around Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. And then Sam Amick followed that up by saying, source says the Kings have no interest in taking back Tobias Harris and the Ben Simmons deal. Sacramento still sees a pathway to Simmons, although the Fox update from Shams seems to make it even harder. So what do you guys take away from that? Like Sam had reported weeks before that, that Fox and Halliburton were no longer off the table, that Philadelphia could basically have either one of them and that now um, they're considering taking Tobias too. And then basically Sacramento tells them, um, we're not trading Fox, basically tells Fox's agent, we're not trading you. Um, we want to build around you. Now, you'll remember that, you know, players, agents have, or, or, or teams have told players, agents many times before, we're not trading you, and then traded them three weeks later. It happens all the time. Daryl did the same exact thing to Ben three weeks before trying to trade him for Harden. Um, it's not uncommon. It's just a little strange to have it happen with, like, Sam and with, with Shams, you know, but, you know, Shams did it with Harden. Like, what's your reaction to this? Because it's just, it, it was very conflicting reporting from the exact same people who had reported the opposite, like, hours before. Like, it, it, it sort of g gave us all, like, whiplash when it came from the same people who had reported the opposite. But, the, you know, obviously, these are, this is what the team is putting out there. But obviously, it was like a sort of a sources war. Um, Emily, what, what, what was your takeaway from this? Um, I don't really have one like I just don't know what's going on to be honest like I don't have I can't read the tea leaves I mean obviously it's just the team and agents and things just like, like all trying to play this chess game with the media but I don't really know what is coming from who um I don't know if like what the current status of like De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton are and wanting to be in Sacramento so I don't know if things are coming from their camp or just like the Kings front office you know, who knows if things are coming from, certainly things are coming from the Sixers. So I don't, I don't really know. Um, all that being said, I would really love a deal that got us Fox and Halliburton. That would be great. I vote yes on that. You know, I, Sacramento sucks. And I just, and they've wanted Simmons very obviously for a long time. Um, Mark Stein reported last week that they're seriously considering doing the Harris thing too. Um, you know, I don't, who knows whether or not they end up legitimately doing the Harris thing. I'd be really surprised if they're just off the table for Halliburton and Fox. I, that, that doesn't really pass the smell text. Because like, you can't get at any like decent player without including them. You, you don't do have anything. any other like great no. players that anyone would want. You can't do anything. You can move deck chairs. Like you can trade <laughs> Heald and Barnes for like, equal value or or less than equal value but that's it 
Yeah. So I don't buy that. Like that, that to me is like trying to patch things up like, and, and crawl back some kind of leverage, but I, I don't. Yeah. Buy like, do you it, think honestly. they're saying that so that someone is like, well, like, what if I throw in these picks? Like then can they be available? And then they're like, oh yes, now they are like, it doesn't. Or, or it's just like, the, and by the way, I'm not saying I don't buy what Sam and Shams are saying. I'm saying I don't buy Sacramento saying that you know yeah because i think they're just saying that to try to get themselves better footing because they're operating from such a point of no leverage everybody knows they have to make a trade and everybody knows they're operating from a point of weakness you know they have worse players than they're receiving you know like dan is that what you believe in this like like because i was i was a little thrown off by this uh, I'm kind of at the point where it's the time of year where if you take any report at face value or even you start judging things by like you start keeping score where it's like this reporter said this, this reporter said this. I just think that you're not, to me, looking at it the right way. Um, to me, it's it's not about who says what. All of these people who we're discussing are credible. Um, none of them on their own has the answer. Um, and I think that you know, if we can look at things holistically and say, okay, well, the Sixers camp is putting out this and the Kings camp is putting out this. I think the biggest takeaway is that the Sixers camp and Kings camp are both putting things out about each other, right? Like there's a deal that's close enough that they're clearly each other's main focus. That's my right. takeaway of the week. Um, I don't really care that, you know, the Sixers say that, that you know, Halliburton, Barnes and Heald and two firsts for Ben and Tobias isn't enough for them. And then the Kings say, you know, Fox and Halliburton aren't on the table. I mean, if you're taking those things at face value, then it's like, oh, great. Well, they should both move on because there's clearly nowhere near a deal there. Uh, no one's interested, but they keep talking about each other. And we're going to get to the Daryl quote soon in this podcast. And these were, those were pretty aimed at the Kings. And just the, the fact that they're talking about each other makes me think that they're pretty close. Um, and it's not to me about what they say, just that they're saying things about each other. Um, I, I don't believe either of what they're saying. I, I think that the most likely deal is probably Ben and Tobias for like Halliburton salary and no picks. And I think that's probably where things kind of tend to end up. Um, and I, I'm more optim optimistic than I was going into the, this week that a deal will be made. But if you listen to the words that have, you know, seemingly come out of each camp it's like well they're nowhere close you know they couldn't be further apart there's nothing there but that's why you can't take those things at face value because they're they're taking the time to talk about each other there's something there there's something close and they're just putting out this nonsense um i'll be honest i don't really get the point because i don't like there's it's not like you know the kings are going to say this and daryl's like hmm, let me reconsider like they they all know it's a game i don't know right. it's, just, it's just what they do but to me, it's not what they're saying. They're going to say that, you know, the Sixers will say, oh, Ben's coming back. We're not, uh, we're not going to trade him. And uh, the Kings will say, well, De'Aaron Fox is, you know, a top 20 player. And uh, we think he's going to be the best point guard in the league soon. And like, neither of those things are true. And they're just going to go as far apart as possible. And it's all nonsense. But they're clearly talking about each other. And that shows me a deal is close. And so that's how I'm interpreting it, which is that, you know, there's something there. There's something to the Sixers and Kings stuff. Okay. So that transitions into our last thing, which is that Daryl went on to 97.5, the Fanatic. When he was going on there, 
I was, I, I felt like, uh, I felt like telling everybody, don't listen to this. He's going to get on there. He's going to go. We love Ben. Ben's our guy. We wouldn't trade him for anything. He's, he's our man. And we can't wait to get him back here. Does he want to be here? Absolutely not. He fucking hates us. And, and we love that too. And he's our, he's our favorite boy. And he's, he's the best. He's the best in the world. And we can't wait to see him again. Um, and I just, I just couldn't stand it. I was like, why the fuck is he going to do this? Shut the fuck up. I can't, I can't take it, Daryl. Shut up. But he didn't say that. So I figured we'll go sort of piece by piece because I have all these things bookmarked here. So first thing he said is, I absolutely believe this team without any changes has a chance to win the title. It's precisely because Joel is playing so amazing that this deal has to be the one. <clears throat> he says that he, this deal needs to address their defense and rebounding in particular. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I sort of think they need like a primary playmaker or, or whatever. If you trade one of these great players for multiple players, it does not change your championship odds enough to make a difference. For Joel, you have to make sure we get this right and we move ourselves into the higher tier of ability to win the championship. The emotional reaction is we have to do whatever we can to help Joel, but he doesn't think this means get the best deal by February. Um, the possibility that they don't make a big deal at the deadline has a very good chance of happening. He makes the argument that making a marginal trade could burn away not just this season, but future seasons too. Um, we are looking for a deal that makes us a championship contender in the top two to three teams in the league. So one thing that he said, said that was very interesting is that um, Darrell said that he sees that the Sixers title odds because of how good Joel has been um, are at least 5%, that the Sixers have at least a 5% chance of winning a title. And years ago, Daryl said, if you've got even a 5% chance to win the title, and that group includes a very small number of teams every year, you've got to be focused all in on winning the title. He said that years ago when he was with Houston. So that's interesting. And um, I don't know if that's true, like, you know, as presently constructed, I would, I would probably say it's not, you know, I mean, right now I've raised out, you know, on the wing, especially for the Sixers. Um, but with how good Joel is, you know, maybe it is, especially if some things fall their way. Um, but do you think Daryl believes that, honestly? Um, or do you think that he basically needs his best player to believe that he believes that? Um, and like, what's your takeaway from, from that first chunk of quotes? Because like at this point when he was talking, it, it sounded a bit like more of the same. And, and to me, it was like, um, you know, more of the same Daryl speaking. But when I heard the 5% thing, it was like, that's usually Daryl's signal that he needs to go for it. Dan, what do you think? Um, it's hard. I think as presently constructed, they're probably, they probably don't have a 5% chance. And I don't think Daryl necessarily believes that. But I also, you know, am certain that Daryl doesn't think that this kind of thing is linear. You know, like you add a player who might up a certain team, you know, 2%, but when you put him with Joel, he might up the Sixers 10%. Um, that's just me making up numbers. But I don't think that Daryl sees it as, you know, um, you get a certain player and he's definitely going to give you this. Like when Joel is playing this well, if you get him the right help, 
you know, that might take the Sixers from like three or 4% to like 12, 13, 14, 15%, you know, depending on who the guy is. And so I, I, I'm not sure he really believes they're at 5%, but I also think that they're probably close enough and that, you know, getting the right guy bumps them up enough that they, they functionally might as well be, you know, like rounded up, whatever, because the idea is the same, which is that Joel's playing so well that with the right help, it can really make this team a whole lot better. Emily, do you have anything on that first chunk? Um, no, I agree with like Dan's general reading of it, but I also think like the, the he could believe the 5%, like, I don't know, half of me thinks that Joel could win playoff series on his own. Like right. the way he's, he's playing, like it's really incredible stuff. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of games to just like take control over, but I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put anything past him. He's so good. So then came the quote that I had to check with people that he actually said this. He said, I can tell you that for sure there are deals for Ben with the Sacramento Kings that would work. And I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that he said that. I, I, it was shocking to me that he like legitimately said that. So then Maury said, the Sixers have lowered their asking price for Simmons because of how great Joel Embiid has been playing. Because Joel's been playing amazing, uh, we now might be able to do the trade for a top 40 player who's a great fit. Um, I have a longer quote on this. Um, let me get this. This is from Kyle Newbeck who typed this up. I think with how great Joel is, our line has moved down a little bit because Joel has lifted us to contention in, by his sheer will of greatness this year. That does, uh, the number of deals we would do more likely is uh, more likely we can find ones that get us into the top few contention because of how great Joel is playing. So we are sitting right now at a better chance of a trade actually helps us, Joel and the Sixers. Before we absolutely needed to get an impact player, but now there's an impact player that has to be in the top 30 of the league because Joel is playing amazing and has lifted us to probably 5% title odds just on his play. Now we might be able to do a top 40 player who's a great fit or we could do a trade. Uh, it helps a team. It's a better fit, or maybe future opportunities are still open, and we get some draft picks as part of it. So it helps the odds this year, and uh, maybe have a draft pick and a young player who can help us in the future, who might develop. If we get a player of the caliber of Maxi coming back, we might be able to say, okay, we got a really solid player. We might not be in the top thirty but he might be a little bit below that, plus a solid young player over Joel's prime who's sitting there and might develop into it. So like, I was shocked that he said this stuff and talked like literally about what we always talk about on here, which is doing like a step trade where you get a guy who is good now, will be valuable in the off season if you can trade for like Harden or something and like maintains value, can play in the playoffs is a good fit with Joel and like all of this stuff. Like what's your, Emily, what's your reaction to him literally saying there's a trade right now for Ben with the Kings that I could do that would work. And to him saying that like Joel is playing so good that he would do essentially a step trade that like 
we would do that now and like we've adjusted what we would accept for Ben. Yeah, I, it is surprising that he said that, but I agree with it. I think that like these things that he's saying sound great. So like, do it. That would be fun. like fun. Like, let's do it. Um, other, I mean, I know he wants the most value and I'm sure I'm, you know, there's things to work out on either side, but if there's a deal that you, that would work, um, do it. He also said at one point that he thinks it'll end up being like a three-team trade. It won't just be like them and the Kings directly. So I'm sure that's part of it. But I would be at this point with everything that's been said, I would be shocked if the Simmons trade doesn't involve the Kings. Like I would be shocked if it was just like some random out of left field, like like just straight like Sixers and Pacers or something. Like I would be I the Kings are involved in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I, I, but I don't also don't really know what the point of Daryl saying all this stuff was, unless it's like to put pressure on the Kings. Like if they're, you know, players or whatever, like, see, they say that they, that Ben can come here, like make it happen. Like who's putting pressure on the Kings to do that. I, I don't really know what the point of it was, or if it's just to get the Philly fans off his ass, but yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, it the the quote that Kyle had had put together that I just read like that sounds like Halliburton like yeah a player who's a good fit next to our guys like Maxi and and Joel who is like Maxi in that he can really develop and hold value and probably come with picks and like play now and be good later then all of that stuff it sounds totally like Halliburton and he would have to come with other guys because the salary is low. Um, but what's the point of saying it on the radio? So Dan, what's your reaction to those quotes? And what do you think the point is of Daryl saying it um, on the radio? Yeah, I mean, I think that the quotes makes, makes sense if you're thinking about motive. Um, that said, I don't think it matters that much. Like, I just don't really think it matters that much what people say. I don't think anyone trusts anyone. They're certainly not taking a rival GM at their word on Mike Missinelli. Uh, but if you're putting out, you know, the message that you want to put out, I do get it. Um, I think on one hand, it sends the message that, you know, we are serious about, you know, the offers that certain teams are making. From the perspective of, this is just said all along that they want this like completely unrealistic package. Now we're two weeks from the deadline. It's clear they're not getting that completely unrealistic package. But they're saying, hey, keep sending us your offers because uh, there are things out there that work. You're telling the Kings, you know, I think that on, on one hand, it puts some pressure on the Kings. You know, if you have a team that is, is brutally disappointing, a franchise that hasn't made the playoffs in, you know, 15 years, now you're sending that message to their fan base that, you know, this guy who's been to the playoffs every year of his career, who has been an all-star three times, who was all NBA, who was 25 years old, he's out there. You have it. You could get it. You know, it, it, that's a possibility. It's really on your GM. That puts some pressure on them, I guess. Um, it sends a message to the Hawks, the Timberwolves, whoever else has, you know, been reported to one Ben that, Hey, there's a deal with the Kings that works, so you better get us your offer. Um, I just think that what he said kind of made sense from a lot of sides. Now, does that really matter? I tend to think no, right? Like they're not 
I don't think that they might have not even listened to the interview, right? Like they know Daryl spewing his BS and um, I don't think that they're that the other teams are on the edge of their seat, like waiting to, to hear what Daryl says. But in terms of messaging, I think it does make some sense um, in terms of uh, and like this is kind of in my position all along, which is like I, you know, I want Ben gone as soon as possible, but I understand that like that's why I'm not the GM and that, you know, Daryl is you know, I think within reason, within a reasonable time frame, which to me is before the deadline, which Al Joel is playing, like I said, gonna, you know, try to drive the price up as much as he can. And, you know, I also think that, you know, with, with how Joel is playing, you know, I've been adv advocating for the step trade all along. And like, yeah, I think he's at the point where it's like, you can't deny it. Like we are not getting a top 25 player, a top 30 player. Like that, he basically said, you know, I'll take a top 40. I'll take a young guy like that's where they're at. And he's not at that point only because Joel is playing great. He's at that point because the offers aren't there. And ideally you don't hold Ben past the deadline and waste this Joel year. Right. And everyone can pretend he's like some like genius who is out thinking all of us and all of that, but he's come to the same conclusion which is the only logical conclusion, which is that you don't waste this Joel year if you can get something decent. And so I'm happy to hear him say that. That was such an encouraging interview for me. It was, you know, and this, it goes back to what I said, you know, but just before this, which is that the fact that it seems so pointed at the Kings, whether it was, you know, directly asked about the Kings, like Missinelli did at one point, or like allude to a player who sounds a ton like Halliburton. Um, just the fact that these teams seem to be going back and forth, it makes me feel like there's something there. Um, and like I said, this could be aimed at a whole bunch of teams, right? Like it's impossible to say what's going on at this point. But um, the fact that there seems to be so much time uh, from each organization being put into, you know, sending some messaging that seems to relate to the other makes me think there is something here that, you know, and like Emily said, I, I hate, I hate to say I'd be surprised by something at this point, just because like, what the hell is happening? Like, this is all so bizarre, but like, I agree with this sentiment where it's like, it really feels like the Kings are involved. Um, and, and I agree that like, if it's not the Kings, like if, if you're asking, if you told me right now, right, like Ben will be traded and you had to ask me to pick a team, I'd feel pretty confident betting the Kings. So I, I do agree with Emily's sentiment on that. And, um, I'm really hoping that something happens. I Halliburton was phenomenal uh, on Saturday night against the Bucks. It was a close loss. Fox didn't play. He had, you know, 24 and 12 assists. And uh, he, it's easy to see him fitting in here. I would just love to see him as a sixer. But I, I would just obviously, I think it's not a hot take that I would love to see this resolved in any way possible. So um, it's, it's hard to watch, you know, these close losses and not, be desperate for Joel to get some help. Daryl did say he would love to get a deal done by February for Ben. Uh, he said it would be a win-win for the Sixers and Ben. He said the current situation sucks for everyone. He said if you were to pull 420, all 420 players in the league, I would say 370 of them would be dying to play for Joel Embiid and the Sixers. The fact that we have a player that doesn't want to be on the Sixers is surprising to me. All right. So, Emily, if you will, please, 
update us on the standings. We have two weeks of games. Run through them, please. We have four of them, of course, Drew predicted, and then however many uh, that the four of us did, or uh, the, the, that the three of us did. So take it away, Queen. Okay, so the previous week was that started, I think it was Houston, Charlotte, Boston, and Miami. Mm-hmm. So they went three and one that week. They lost to Charlotte, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we, uh, me and Dan had predicted four wins, and Steve had thought they would lose to Miami. So me and Dan went three and one, and Steve went two and two. So that was two weeks ago. Then this past week, everyone thought we would win everything. It was easy. We all went two and two, just like the Sixers. Except Drew. Except Drew, who yeah. went three and one. Um, so the current standings as they are, are I have taken the lead at 27 and 19. That, Steve, you blew it. That week, that loss to Miami prediction, really. Um. Steve is in second at 26 and 20 and Dan is in third at 24 and 22. So it's still very close. I really feel like I'm coming back here. I'm still every anyone's game. It's really, there's a lot. It's not even the all-star break guys. We've got so much basketball left. That's right. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, this week, the Sixers play three games. They play at Houston, the Rockets, the Rockettes, they play the Lakers at home, and then they play Ben Simmons and the Sacramento Kings at home. Emily? You're missing it. You're up Don't first. they play the Pelicans? They do play the Pelicans on Tuesday at home. I noticed because I just bought tickets tonight. Oh, that must It was be like a makeup game. game. It's a, ma- it's it's a, a makeup game. I should Steve does not know the schedule game. at all. He just this makes games up. He's like, this I think they game. play. Do, do you even look? Do you even look? <laughs> I look at a screenshot that I took in, in like October. April of last year. Yeah. <laughs> I look at a screenshot. All right. <laughs> what you do every week. All right. Sorry. There's this thing called the days. internet that updates the schedules. Just so you know. Damn it. Oh, you old people. I don't get how you <sighs> even like. Come on. Rainy is uh, like, how long is this fucking podcast? She's like, you guys right. are loud. I'm trying to. <laughs> Okay. Me too, Rainy. So, me too. All right. So the Sixers play four games. They play at Houston. They play, is it home against the Orleans? There's no way to know. I'm going. Yeah. Okay. You could go. They play home against New Orleans and then home against the Lakers and then home against Sacramento. Three home games. At Houston, home. Late. <laughs> at yep. Houston. Pelicans, Lakers, Sacramento. Emily, take it away. Four wins. I honestly think they are going to win all these games, though. Like, Houston is not good. The Pelicans are not good. I hate the Lakers, so they're not good. And they're not good. And the Kings are not good. So I think they're going to go four now. I think they're going to win. I feel, like I've, I feel like I've said four wins so many weeks in a row. I haven't predicted that they were going to lose <laughs> since in the past. Literally, I can tell you. The I don't think they play the Rockets this week. <laughs> I'm looking right now, and I'm pretty sure they don't. They, they don't play Monday. They play the Pelicans at home on Tuesday. 
They don't play Wednesday. They play the Lakers at home on Thursday. So they don't play Friday. They play the Kings at home on Saturday, and they don't play Sunday. The we'll screenshot, screenshot does say that they play tomorrow, but Monday one twenty four at Houston. They, but they don't. They've played Houston twice, <laughs> and they're in the West, so they only play them twice. Hey, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. God damn. Well, so Emily, you're going three and oh then. All right, listen, I got bad news. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've I've almost had enough of this. I've almost had enough. This is good. <gasps> this is good. This is what people want. But, not even not even the fact that it, like he missed it again. It was the fact that the team and the game he missed last time was the second Rockets game. Mm. So you added it again. Well, it's okay. He's trying on to the screenshot, Drew. You need a new screenshot, Steve. Come on. I'm not making it up. You what do you mean? You might as well be. All right, Steve, you pick next because like I deserve to pick last after your mess up. Listen, like I'm in last place anyway. So. There's there's no Houston. They will not play Houston tomorrow. <laughs> I swear to God. It's, it's a only great, the Pelicans. It's a ballsy pick that they won't. It's only the Pelicans, the Lakers, and Sacramento. This is mm-hmm. going to win all three, and I'm done talking for the end. I'm done. Dan? All right. Here's what I got. They're going to beat the Pelicans because I'm there, and I refuse to see them lose to the Pelicans. We're bad. Uh, then they're going to lose to the Lakers, and here's why. Um, the Lakers are really annoying, and so because of that, it's going to be a really annoying loss. And um, more importantly, if I keep picking all wins and you guys keep picking all wins, I'm never going to come back. Uh, and then on Saturday, they're going to beat the Kings because everyone beats the Kings. Okay. I haven't predicted right. that they're going to lose in the past 17 games, just so you know. Are you that, serious? That sounds like you. <laughs> it does sound like me. How many times have I predicted that they would lose? You're the one with the numbers. I don't know. You tell us. I've only predicted that they would lose six games this whole season so far. And probably six last right? season also. Probably. I won last season, I'm pretty sure. So oh, I won. Okay. Did you? Yeah. I don't have that one saved. I don't have that file. Ah, uh, seems like you did that on purpose. Maybe. All right. Listen, Emily, welcome back. Thanks. Rainy, welcome home. Dan, congrats. Oh, on what? On what? Everybody. You, can you not wink? Is that what you do? <laughs> subtlety. That's for the YouTube, which meanwhile. Oh, we have a YouTube. To the YouTube. Yeah. What's it called? Drew, what's our YouTube called? Why are you yelling? It's literally, yeah. it's the name of the podcast. It is <laughs> just, it's the name of the podcast. It's Gastroenteritis Blues. All right. There we go. Blues. Subscribe to the YouTube. Wait, Steve, um, I have a question. Talk to me. Can you, I know I'm just like interrupting the plugs, but for the YouTube, can you at least show a picture of Rainy like on your phone so that the YouTube subscribers like want to have a, have a thing to like pull them in like a dog pic? You got it. Literally just send it in the group chat. I can put it up. Oh. I can make it all fancy. I'm gonna do it right now. I'll do it off. off We're high. We're a high tech (laughs) podcast now. We're high tech. Now Drew is doing stuff. Drew knows how to do these things. Love you guys. 
good luck to the Sixers on Monday against Houston. <laughs> um, good to see you guys. Over and out. Be safe and be great. Be safe and be great. Bye.